Now Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle, camped beside Ebenezer while the Philistines camped in Ashbeth. The Philistines drew up a battle array to meet Israel. When the battle spread, Israel defeated Israel was defeated before the Philistines killed about 4,000 men on the battlefield. When the people came into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us to the day before the Philistines? Let us take to ourselves from Shiloh the Ark of the Covenant of our Lord, so that may come before among us and deliver us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, and from there they carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, a host who sits above the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of this shout, they say, What does the noise of this great shout in the camp of Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has ever happened before. Woe to us, who shall deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who smote the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, or you will become slaves to the Hebrews, as they have been slaves to you. Therefore, be men and fight. So verse 1, thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel, and that's the last time Samuel is mentioned until chapter 7 and verse 3. We have a section here where Samuel is not present. Uh, this section is the stories about the ark, I guess you could say. And uh, we have a lot of emphasis on that and what happens in this. This is the judgment of God to some extent against Israel. So they go up against the Philistines in Ebenezer. In verse 2, what happened? Yeah, and how many were killed? 4, About 4,000. Well, what's wrong? The Israelites are really upset about this, concerned about this. And what do they decide is the cause of the problem? We don't have the ark. Yes! We don't have the Lord. Now they were right about that. God was responsible for their, their defeat, but they think the way to get the Lord to be with us is we need the ark here on the battlefield. What's wrong with that? They have faith in the ark. Yes! It's kind of a, an, the idea that, well, wherever you have the ark, that's where God will be. You know, that they can kind of control where God is and who he blesses by where they put the ark. And that was not the right idea. You know, the ark wasn't some kind of magic wand that they could just wave in front of God and produce instant success. You know, what would make God be with them? Yeah, like repentance and obedience and faithfulness and things like that. But it would be a lot easier if all it took was just bring the ark onto the battlefield, and that's what they try to do. So they trust in the ark rather than in God's word, and they see it kind of as a lucky charm. Do we ever do that? Do we ever use something uh, short of faithfulness and obedience and think that'll guarantee God will be with us? The magic phrase, forgive us of our sins, will automatically wipe away the sins. Like he's waiting for that phrase to happen before he 
cleanses us. I prayed about it. That's <laughs> yeah, okay now, I pray. Well, should we pray? Yeah. But does praying in and of itself just suddenly make everything okay? And I can do anything I want to and live any way I want to? Because I prayed. You know, I prayed for forgiveness or whatever. What other things do we kind of use that way, Alex? In a very denominational sense, we see that, you know, people say, well, I go to church. I mean, yeah. I go to church once a year. I mean, that should be good. Yes. I go to church. You know, I'm, I'm a member of the church. You know, I got my, my name on the roll. As if that in itself was going to change something. Just, just morality in general, just having good morals. Yes. The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Ah, well, I got the Lord's Supper this week. I'm okay for this week. <laughs> you know, as if just taking the bread and the grape juice, suddenly that just transforms everything else you do. Or how about being baptized? You know, hey, I, I've been baptized. <laughs> well, that's good. Does God want you to be baptized? Absolutely. But none of those things are a lucky charm that means as long as I got that, then I'd be okay. You know, to be, have the Lord with us takes something deeper than that. It takes serving the Lord. Well, what did the Philistines think when they found out that the ark was coming into the battlefield? They sort of had the same idea about the ark the Israelites did. It's always bad when we have the same idea about the Lord that the pagans do. That's, that's probably a sign that we don't have the right idea. And uh, it scared them. So what do they decide they've got to do? They've got to fight even harder. seems to me that uh, having the ark on the battlefield really turned out to be counterproductive. It didn't help the Lord be with them or bless them more. All it did was to inspire the Philistines to strengthen their resolve and fight harder to win the battle. So basically, having the ark there just ensures their defeat. Uh, and that's, uh, that's what we can expect to happen as they're drawing up against each other in battle. Comments and thoughts? Alec? Um, the idea that the ark is pretty much a protective icon is one we see a lot with the temple a lot later, um, especially you know with Ezekiel and Jeremiah right before the fall of Jerusalem. And people are saying, you know, we've got the temple, we're good. I don't care how many people there are. If we have the temple... We're going to be okay, and you know we've seen that that's not the case, and we see that the people almost make idols of the house where God dwells. Yes, Jeremiah seven. We're Church of Christ. You know we're okay. We've got the right, right, you know, plaque up or whatever. Be a similar kind of idea. We take we we want to short circuit the process. You know we want to take some little thing and and just kind of um, you know shorten everything God expects into one little thing. You know, I get this detail right, then I'm okay. Now, like, some things don't matter. It's like, you can never just say one thing is enough. And I don't have to be concerned about what God's will is about everything else. You know, we, we often say, well, what does it take to be faithful to God? Well, we think all sorts of, well, I attend every service. Well, that's great. But that doesn't make you faithful to God in and of itself. So we really have a lot of the same problems that they do. Other thoughts? Yes. I think that's sad about this part of the story to me. One of the, the big themes of the Exodus was the name of God and his reputation. 
and teaching the Israelites and the Egyptians who he was. Uh, here, obviously, the Philistines are respecting and fearing God even more than the Israelites had been. It's sad when the pagans know more of God and his character than his people. It's very sad. Patrick? Um, how much time has elapsed since the Exodus at this point? Good question. Uh, about 400 years, 350 or 400 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, part of the problem, that, uh, and this is something I'm going to look at too, is that we like to control our salvation. And, um, and by that I mean like sometimes if we hold on to this one thing, we get this one thing right, we just think like we have everything right, instead of really analyzing our lives and trying to see are we really doing everything that God wants us to do, which is really what God wants us to do. And I think instead of holding on to these things that we really think are the things that are making us spiritual or the things that are making us right, we really just need to analyze ourselves and look at the scriptures and what they're saying and, and really strive to be what God wants us to be. Amen. <laughs> All right, so what's going to happen? 10 to 22. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers, and the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day, with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? And then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I have fled from the battle today. And he said, How did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth, and when she heard the news that the Ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you, are, you have born a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. So how did the battle go? <laughs> Not very good, did it? Who won? Philistines, what happened to the Israelites? 
They got beat? How bad? 30,000 died. How many di died in that first battle? 4,000. Ah, things a little worse with the Ark of God there, it looks like. And among the dead were who? Hophni and Phinehas. But what seems to be the thing that is really sad about this battle? The Ark was captured. They brought the Ark on the battlefield and the Philistines managed to commandeer the Ark. They've lost the Ark. Now remember what their viewpoint is of the Ark. When they lost the Ark, what did that mean to them? God's not with them. They lost the Lord from their way of looking at this. This was God's departed from them. Do you see how difficult this was? You know, the ark was taken. They don't have the Lord's presence with them anymore. The news comes to Eli. When he hears what has happened, what does he do? He falls off and breaks his neck. Yes. He's heavy and he's old and he breaks his neck. He, he, he couldn't see well. In the next chapter, there'll be an unseeing Philistine abomination that will fall, fall over and break its neck. It's kind of interesting, the juxtaposition between those two uh, broken necks in uh, chapters 4 and 5. Then you had Phineas's wife. She's pregnant. She's giving birth. And she hears the news that the ark of God has been taken. And what does she name her child? Ichabod. You know what Ichabod means? No glory. Why does she name her son No Glory? The glory has been taken. That would be the ark. And what happens as she gives birth? She dies. Poor Ichabod. Who all died this day? As far as, from Ichabod's standpoint, his mother, mother and his father and his uncle, uncle and his grandfather. That was a bad day in the uh, life of that newborn. Um, and the ark was taken. To them, God's been defeated. The glory's departed. God's with the Philistines now, not with them. That's the way they would have seen this since they have this superstitious idea that the presence of God is wherever the ark is, no matter what you do. <coughs> Comment? Question? Yes, Patrick. Their reactions are interestingly confusing, because this should have been a reaction when God actually withdrew himself from Israel. And now, since they place all the emphasis on the physical <coughs> representation of God, now they're really upset when they should have been upset before when God actually did turn Good point. Yes, they mistook when it was that God left them. Good to be upset that God leaves you. You ought to be upset about that. But they didn't know when that really was. Tim? Um, previously when teaching this, I kind of said, you know, they had the bright idea to take the ark into it, which they came up with that, and it wasn't the right thing to do. Because um, I didn't notice before that taking the ark into battle was something that actually happened previously throughout Joshua, right? Um, and so how much... So, so I kind of backed off of that. Do you think it should, we should focus on, like, the idea of bringing the Ark of Battle was stupid? Like, what if God was with them and they brought it into the battle? That's going to be a stupid idea, or just 
Well, I don't know that they had God telling them to take the ark into this battle. But I don't think that's the main point, regardless. However you want to take that. Their point is, they're thinking that the way to get God with them is just to have the ark there. I think that's really the point. I don't think this is really a commentary pro or con about where the ark is. That'd be my take. I will say this also, parenthetically. I think, by comparing Jeremiah 7 and some other passages, that probably the whole city of Shiloh was destroyed at this time. And that may explain why the ark doesn't ever seem to go back there when it comes back. Alex? Um, one thing I thought was interesting, um, somebody over here uh, asked, you know, how long had it been since the Exodus, since the plagues, since this great huge event in Egypt that even the Philistines remember was 300 of the years. I think it's so interesting that the Philistines remember all this time back, and then the Israelites, they seem to forget so often. Uh, they're complaining, you know, they want to go back to Egypt, you know, they want to go back and do all these things that they left, and it, they have no memory of these events, it seems. Whereas the enemies, the pagans, remember. We always need to reflect on the great things God has done. That'll change our life. James? Uh, it, it seems like this is a really good example of how we often put our trust in the wrong places. If put our trust in things, oh, God would never destroy that or defile that or take that away or whatever. And God is very willing to do that. And when, if it's a misplaced trust, he'll take the ark, and we thought that God would never allow that to happen. But uh, it shows that we can't put our trust in anything, no matter how spiritual it seems, how religious it seems. And if we trust in our church, God will break your church apart. You know what I mean? And, you know, Exactly, that's right, right? <coughs> I think it's interesting that nobody really seems upset that Hawkeye and Phineas are dead. The Ark is gone, even Eli and Phineas' wife, they're concerned about the Ark, not about these two wicked men. Maybe good riddance with those two, good point. Yeah, uh, back to Jay's point. Uh, we see it in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 12, one of the 12 apostles dies. James is, is taken very, very early on. And after that is when people really, really started praying when, when Peter was taken. They said, how could James, somebody so important, one of the Lord's three closest friends, how could he be taken so early on just when the church was getting started? And then we start seeing some real prayer for, for Peter's deliverance, and it happens. Good point. Other thoughts? Nathan. Earlier when we were talking about the sort of, I guess, peripheral things that make us feel like we're okay, again, like the the humility in the morning came just way too late, and I, I hear us a lot of times like saying, well, at least they're at services, as that kind of being indicating that things are going in the right direction, and you know, we need to be more concerned with their attitude, worshipful spirit, they're attempting to get sin out of their lives and not just well, they finally came, so things are okay again. Yeah, we're big on that. We're big on, you know, just some external thing and not really dealing with the problem. You know, if a person's not serving the Lord, I mean, I guess better they're at church than somewhere else, but it doesn't really change their relationship with God. God won't be with them because of that. You know, that goes back sometimes to parents. Sometimes parents, oh, at least my child's coming to church. They may be, you know, doing all kinds of horrible stuff, but, but at least we got hope. Well, maybe we 
put too much emphasis in the wrong place. Faithfulness to God is faithfulness to God. And that's what we need to focus on. And that has to be because I'm committed to the Lord, not just because I figured out the buttons to push to make people think I'm doing better. And we need to worry before the attendance stops or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's exactly right. We need to think more deeply about people's relationship with God, not just one or two external things. Roger? One external thing that, that often been for me has been like a teaching. You know, a lot of times because I'm teaching and, and I'm encouraging, and uh, but none of that really means anything. I mean, if I'm not really doing what God wants me to do, if I'm not really serving Him right, if I don't really have a close relationship with Him, and I know that's often been my case where I, I teach and people think I'm doing fine, but in reality there's a lot of things that are not fine, but I can hold on to this thing that's an external that makes me right with them. Look at how many Bible studies I'm doing. Look at how many sermons I preach or how many people have been converted. But if I'm not serving the Lord in my life, God knows that he does not approve. Very good. Good comments. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. 